Welcome to the Every Voice Now podcast, where we bring voices of color into the spotlight. I'm Myla Kim. And I'm Ed Gilbreth. In every episode, you'll hear from authors of color as they share about the inspiring stories that led to the making of their books, as well as the challenges they had to endure and overcome along the way. Hey, Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Myla? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited for um, just even the conversation we had with Luann Huska, author of Hurting Yet Whole. Yeah, Luann is a very talented writer who writes very vulnerably about her journey as a person who suffers with chronic illness. I was really struck by conversation in, in many different ways, one of which is that my spouse suffers from an autoimmune disease and has struggled with that kind of chronic pain and just how it shapes your, your daily life and how it often goes unnoticed or unknown by so many people, yet folks are silently suffering. One of my best friends, she suffers with an unknown chronic illness. And I remember that just being a very lonely journey for her of just feeling like people just will never understand. And even as a good friend, I could never understand what she was going through. So I remember when I saw Luann's book, I sent it to her and I was like, we have this book coming out. And so I think that the topic of chronic illness is just one that hasn't been touched on as often. So I'm excited for Luann to be able to even be a voice for those people. Yeah. And beyond just very sort of practical insights about her journey, I think she's also able to help readers understand what it means for their, their spiritual journeys as believers. She does great jobs sort of showing how this chronic illness can affect our discipleship. Talking to Luann, she's so thoughtful. You know, you get the sense that every word that she says, she's thought through and she yeah. means it. Um, and I really appreciated that conversation. And I think even with this podcast being about amplifying voices, I mean, Luann is Chinese-American, so we are amplifying her voice as a Chinese-American woman, but even more so her voice, not only as an ethnic minority, but in a conversation that is a minority in the church. I don't hear often about chronic illness. I think this conversation not only gives voice to Luann as an author of color, but I think she really is amplifying the voices of silent sufferers in the church. So let's get out of the way and let our listeners hear our conversation with Luann Huska. Yeah. We're excited to welcome Luann Huska, author of Hurting Yet Whole, to the Every Voice Now podcast today. So welcome, Luann. Yes, welcome. It's good to be here. We're excited to have you on this episode today. Just even as we're starting off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your ethnic background, where you live, and where you're originally from? Yeah, so I was born in China. I moved to the U.S. when I was three with my mom and dad. And I grew up in California and Southeast Texas. At one point in my journey, my mom became undocumented and she remarried someone who was undocumented, my stepdad. So that's a, definitely a part of my story. And um, I went to Wheaton College in the Midwest and got married. And so I'm still here after 10 or so years of graduating from Wheaton. And so what do you currently do? How would you describe your current vocation and calling? 
Yeah, um, so I'm a freelance writer. I mainly write for um, Christian publications like CT and Sojourners and Christian Century and started out thinking I was going to be um, going into anthropology as a professor. But partway through grad school, I realized that I wanted to write for a larger audience. So that's what started me along the path to freelance writing. And can you tell us, I mean, you spoke a little bit about freelance writing, but at what point did you realize you wanted to be a writer or your writing journey really began? I have always loved to journal. That started when I was seven or eight years old. And it's been a way for me to process the world and my thoughts and emotions and come to new insights about the world. When I was in high school, I started, um, I took a freshman journalism class where I got this assignment about what is what was your first day of high school like? And I remember getting my paper back and everyone else had received 99s and I received 100. So it was like this <laughs> moment for me where I felt like, oh, I can do this. I'm good at this. Good um, affirmation. Yes. And that started me on this journey of looking into what it could mean to write. And that started with journalism. But I'm here now. So Yeah, that's really cool. So at seven or eight years old (laughs) is really when it sprouted, which is awesome. So I don't want to press into stereotypes or assume that my experience is the same as yours, even as an Asian American. But I remember in my undergrad experience, my sophomore year, I decided to study English. And my parents were like, what? That's not what we had planned. And why? what are you going to do with an English degree? So I'm wondering, what was your family's role in your writing journey? Were they supportive? Were they not? Yeah, I mean, I guess stereotypes exist for a reason. So (laughs) yeah, Um, I I had a similar experience to you, Myla, where... um, my family, especially because they were first-generation immigrants, I think really expected that their kids would be doing things that were like climbing up the socioeconomic ladder. And I think for them, taking um, you know interest in fields that aren't known as money makers <laughs> was a little scary for them. Right. So when I even going to Wheaton College. That was a little scary for them because they didn't know the name of Wheaton College. And Hmm. they were like, we'll pay for your tuition to go to Stanford or, you know, somewhere that (laughs) made them feel like I was going somewhere in life. So that's always been um, a challenge to just stand my ground and say, I believe that I can trust that God will provide even if I'm not taking career steps in the direction of things that are immediately going to make a living. (laughs) And that's not the case for everybody. I know some people do have to, um, especially coming from working class families, just make a living. And honestly, like becoming a writer is, is really not an option for a lot of people. So my family has become more supportive of me throughout the years as I've begun to find some places that I write for regularly and they've seen that I can start to do this as a career, but it's still honestly not, um, not easy. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I'm curious what your relationship is between your ethnic identity as a Chinese American and your desire to write. What are ways in which your ethnicity actually helped or hindered your writing journey? I grew up in a Southeast Texas town where I was the only Chinese 
person in school and one of two Asian people Mm -hmm. in school. And um, I definitely felt like an outsider a lot of the time. And I think that experience of being um, like trying to figure out your place in the world when it's not clear what your place is has fueled my desire to be able to connect with others and express myself and to figure out where I fit. And for me, writing has been how I process all of those things. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I've done it through journaling. And as I've been able to write for larger audiences, it's, it's a way of finding those connections to connect with other people in in places where they felt alone and realized, oh, there's other people who share those experiences. I haven't written a ton about being Chinese American in particular, and that's something I would love to delve deeper into as I continue in my writing journey. Yeah, even in your book, Hurting Yet Whole, you write beautifully and even poetically about the topic of, of chronic illness, and which we'll talk about later in the podcast. And somehow you clearly found ways to develop writing gifts, even without some of the foundational support of your family, like you shared earlier. And so what gave you the perseverance and the motivation to pursue the path of writing? Well, even without my family's full-hearted support, I've had so many cheerleaders along the way. Like I mentioned, my high school journalism teacher and English teachers, college professors who have, you know, just named my gifts and found ways to help me to develop them. So I definitely have, I'm so grateful for the community of people that's been able to see and affirm what I've, what God has given me. And also there's just something as when you asked about, you know, the motivation, there's just something so satisfying intrinsically about being able to arrive at new insights in writing and realize that I wouldn't have been able to come to those insights any other way except through writing. And so it's just sort of a self, like I know some writers say like, you can't not do it. And I sort of feel that way that it, it's just part of who I am. So I would do it whether I received the, <laughs> the outside affirmation or not, but it's good to receive the outside affirmation as well. <laughs> who are your role models in the area of writing? And I'm curious if any of them were Asian American writers or writers of color. Oh yeah. One of the first Asian American writers that I um, came into contact with was Amy Tan and uh, her books are probably familiar to a lot of um, the Asian American audience, um, but she writes about the the immigrant experience and the Chinese American experience, and and she was able to so eloquently communicate that feeling of being in between both worlds and and people like that, like seeing people like that do that, like two decades ago, three decades ago, definitely gave me like a sense of like, okay, this is a path that other people have taken, and um, it's not easy, but. Um, I'm going to try to do it too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we need to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll talk more with Luann about her journey to getting published. So stay tuned and thanks for listening to the Every Voice Now podcast. Ed, we are still stuck in this global pandemic and we have no idea how long this will take. And so I'm sure everyone is wondering how we can thrive through these challenging days. It won't surprise you to know that we think reading is a great way to feed your heart, mind and soul. 
and IVP can help. Visit everyvoicenow.com and you'll find new and forthcoming releases from IVP by authors of color and stay tuned for a special discount on today's featured book. Welcome back to the Every Voice Now podcast. I'm Ed Gilbreth, and with us today is our guest, Luann Huska, author of Hurting Yet Whole, which officially releases on December 8th. Let's talk about the genesis of your book idea. When I first graduated from college, I about a year out from that, I started having um, this little pain in my ankle, and it started going up my body to my knee and my lower back and different places. I thought it was going to be like a two-week thing that I would get over, but it obviously has became a much longer and bigger part of my life. Um, so that was when I started to wrestle with the ideas of what does it mean to be in a body and n- understand Jesus's healing, even as I am hurting and it doesn't appear that I'm being healed. That was what started a big theological, personal um, search for, if not answers, at least different ways to understand what I was going through. I went to the University of Chicago to get my master's degree. And after that was when I decided that I didn't want to continue in academia. So then I started a blog actually called Body and Being, which was kind of dealing with some of the issues that I was struggling with at the time. Out of that, I started getting um, published in some various blogs like Hermeneutics, um, which is the CT women's blog. And so being connected with that group of women that were um, writers for Hermeneutics and seeing that they were just people that, you know, had everyday lives. And, and there were a couple women of color in that group just helped me to put together my experiences and my questions around like embodiment with what could happen in the publishing world. And I thought, oh, like I can write about this and I can, maybe it's something that would connect with other people. And so being in a community of others that had been written books already and realizing I, I could belong there um, was what gave me that initial idea. Oh, I could turn my experiences into a book. Your book, Hurting Yet Whole, tackles the subject of chronic illness in a thoughtful, vulnerable way. What was your process of writing the book and how difficult was it to share your own personal challenges and frustrations in this journey? So um, the worst of my pain happened in about a three-year segment um, like I said, um, just re- directly after I finished my undergrad degree at Wheaton, three, about three years, I actually got pregnant with our first child. And it was really interesting. I don't know exactly what happened, but something shifted in my body and my joints. And I actually started having less pain. It doesn't mean I have no pain now, but it kind of just comes and goes. But being out of the pain in a really constant despairing, sort of like existential despair state was what gave me the the mental space to even begin to process those emotions and questions that I was having. Then I kind of went into this whole phase of being a mom and that is also its own set of limits and vulnerabilities. I think just being able to know these are my limits and um, I only have a certain amount of time in the day or I really need to get sleep. I can't just keep pounding away, you know, into the middle of the night has actually, I write about in the book that it, it kind of can crystallize your calling because you just can't, you don't have the energy to try a million different things. So you start to really hone in on what what is important and what and just make priorities. So 
in some ways, I feel like having, um, having limits, even having things that are just burdening your body don't have to be a hindrance, but can provide like a narrow channel so that you like know which way you're going with things. But um, I would say that um, I, I wasn't until I was really out of the like the thick woods of chronic pain that I was actually able to process those experiences. So I'm not sure if I would have been able to write the book if I was still in as much pain as I had been um, at the beginning. You write in Hurting at Whole that chronic illness pulls the rug out from under our old identities, interests, and life pursuits. We no longer know who we are or who God is. We must find a new way to be. That was a powerful line. Tell, tell us more about how this was true for you. And how did you ultimately find the, that new way to be? What identities did you have to let go of to become more fully whole? Oh, thanks for pointing out that line. It was so true for me. I, um, I always saw myself as a doer, <laughs> so a writer, um, a dancer, a, a hiker, an outdoors person, an academic. And when, when you can't do those things, then you know, I started to wonder well, what am I if I'm not those? When, if I can't do the things that once made up my identity? And yeah, so I had to let go of the sense that if I was smart enough or resourceful enough or prayerful enough, or, you know, if I could just Google and, you know, just keep researching, then I could figure out how to get out of this. I had to let go of that, um, that sense that I could, I could do it. And then and I realized that I couldn't always do it. I, I couldn't make my agenda happen when it came to my body. And so letting go of that, it left me in this place where I had to ask, well, what is left if I'm not all these things that I do? And I came to the conclusion that what makes us human and valuable isn't about what we're capable of doing, but about how we're able to connect and relate to others and join up with others as, you know, as the body of Christ and as just a human being in this world. So that's where I came down as, as my identity is I'm, I'm valuable because I'm a human being <laughs> and I'm made in God's image. Related to that, what kind of impact do you hope your book will have on the broader church? And, and what impact do you hope it will have among readers of color? My sense within evangelical circles is that there's, there's this overcoming mentality that we'll be victorious over whatever it is, and we'll sort of push our way through with our spiritual perseverance, and um, that's how we're going to get there. And that didn't work for me, and I think it doesn't work for so many people. Um, and so then we're kind of stuck with, well, what, did, was God faithful? Did I hear God when He was calling me to do this and this? Or, and then I can't do it anymore, so... Does that, like, where does that leave me in my relationship with God? And I think a lot of people are kind of wrestling with that as, as we come from that sort of culture of like, like tr being like transcending our human limits in order to become like spirit spiritually well people. And so I really hope that my book will challenge those ideas and invite readers into a different way of relating with the world and relating with God and our bodies and what we feel like is God's calling for us that I don't think it has to be separate from our bodies. You know, we always feel like maybe we get the sense that we just have to overcome our body's limits in order to do what God has called us to. You know, the truth I gained out of being in chronic pain is that our bodies are part of our calling and we have to have to learn to make peace with that and embrace that. And related to that, just on the, the topic of our bodies as part of who we are, 
I hope that um, this message will resonate with readers of color who have often felt we're supposed to like kind of leave our skin color or, you know, our ethnic background to the side in order to like become a fully participating member of society and leave those um, parts of our identity that might feel like liabilities to the outside world. And my message to readers of color is that those are the, the parts of who you are that feel the most vulnerable and where you feel almost the most limited and constrained can often be the places where God really uses you to connect with others. Henry Nouwen uses the phrase wounded healer. And I really love um, Brother Roger Taizé has this quote, in the, in the wounds where the pangs of anxiety are seething, creative forces are being born. And that was such, um, such a powerful word to me in the times when I was struggling and just so anxious and wondering, why, why, why was I having all these problems? <laughs> and what was, is it my fault? And just to know that that's where God meets us in those places where we feel most vulnerable. I hope that our readers will connect with that. We're going to wrap up this segment, but before we do, I just have one more craft question about the journey of, of actually writing the book. What's some advice, one piece of advice you would want to offer to writers of color who wish to become published authors themselves? Yeah. So when I was um, writing my book, I was trying to universalize my experiences in some way and and leave out or maybe just gloss over some of the experiences that felt Uh, most specific and part of my ethnic identity, but maybe not part of the larger conversation or things that white women readers who make up a lot of the book buying population (laughs) would connect with. And then when I was getting feedback from one of the outside readers for this book, um, who was a white woman reader, she started to ask questions about those places where I was identifying my ethnic journey, but then sort of like jumping into something else and saying, wait, I want to hear about that. And that really cued me into the need to bring all of ourselves to the table and to even offer those parts of ourselves that feel are the most private or personal or marginalized and to write specifically into those experiences. So I would say to um, writers of color, just bring your full selves to the table. And I think when, when we are able to bring those, those personal parts of ourselves that are the most vulnerable, then that's what we'll connect with readers. Yeah. We need to take one more break, but when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Luann and why she was the right person to have written Hurting Yet Whole. But first, it's time for our Behind the Books segment, where we pull back the curtain and find out more of the story behind the scenes here at IVP. Today, you'll hear from Lori Neff, who served as Luann's marketing manager. I'm Lori Neff. I'm one of the marketing managers at InterVarsity Press. I do remember the first time I saw this book proposal come in, and honestly, I was really excited for a couple of reasons. Um, First of all, I had met Luann before, and I knew her and encountered her as a very thoughtful woman with a lot to contribute in many areas, in faith, in the physical body conversation and parenting and and just a, a lot of different areas. And and so when I saw the topic, I I was delighted having a thoughtful book around the topic of pain 
is so important. I think there are many layers of insensitivity to the issue and maybe some shame or just a misunderstanding around physical pain that I, I'm just really delighted that um, InterVarsity Press is publishing this book and that Luann has, has done such a, a great theological work around this topic. I think I have most appreciated her integration of faith and our spirit and the body. I think my observation of uh, many Christians has been we tend to separate those two. And um, I've appreciated that integration in her book and, and also how we don't have to deny or um, push away the painful parts of our lives, which that extends. I think that concept is important for those who have physical pain, but also any pain. You can may- maybe translate some of these concepts to mental anguish or, or other kinds of pain. I just think that for me personally, that's been a really important part of my growth in life has been accepting these things and also seeing God work in them. I believe that voices from non-white spaces are so important to listen to on on every topic. I love hearing non-white perspectives on issues of faith, and I love that that's important as well to IVP. I I really hope that um, this book brings a measure of freedom and, and hope to people who are dealing with pain or a chronic illness. I also hope that it'll shed light on another way for the church to encounter this topic. I am someone who has not thus far in my life dealt with chronic pain or illness, and I want to be a good companion to those who are experiencing that. And so I've appreciated reading about Luann's experience and her thinking around how to approach it, especially from a faith perspective, so that we can be better companions in the church and in our communities. You're listening to the Every Voice Now podcast, and I'm Myla Kim. Today, we've been talking with Luann Huska, author of Hurting Yet Whole, which can be found wherever books are sold starting December 8th. Luann, let's talk more about your voice and the importance of your voice to this conversation. Um, why does your particular ethnic voice matter in the subject of chronic illness? Thanks for that question. So in the communities that I've come from, in Chinese-American communities, I think there's a tendency, there's a technical word for just somatizing to um, translate some of our like emotional and spiritual struggles into just physical symptoms. So we don't deal a lot with our emotions. I think that's a stereotype, but um, I experienced that in my own upbringing. And so then as those, those things are um, not dealt with, it, it kind of comes out in physical ways. But then on the sort of the evangelical Christian side of things, it, well, one of the big things I heard when I was dealing with my chronic pain is you can be well as long as you're spiritually well. So before I leave your body to the side and focus on all the things that God is calling you to do and just do those things um, without taking into account your body or your limits. And so I, I, I'm trying to bring those two different experiences that I've had together. One where 
we're kind of like overly focused on the body and kind of the body is all there is. Like my, my mom um, often told me growing up, if you don't have your health, then you don't have anything. You don't have your money-making ability. You don't have ability to provide for yourself in the future. I think being able to join my experiences as a Chinese American into the evangelical Christian conversation around, it's just been so fraught, right? Around bodies and what does it mean to be a body? And to be able to say we both have bodies, but we also are bodies. So it's it's a real tension between you know being able to embrace our bodies as part of who we are, but also knowing that we are more than our bodies. And so I'm hoping that speaking into it from my perspective will will add a different angle to it. And kind of related to that, it seems like there aren't many Asian American Christian voices talking about topics such as bodies and chronic illness. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Is there a shame factor in Asian American authors tackling honest and vulnerable subjects like this? Absolutely. There's definitely a shame factor. You know, for a lot of Asian American communities, including the Chinese church where I spent some time in high school, we like to project this image to wider church and wider society that we're doing well, you know, that we're making it and assimilating into American society. So bringing up the issues that we struggle with, whether that's mental health or family dysfunction or chronic pain, that feels really uncomfortable. I think it feels as if we're not living up to that model minority stereotype. And if we're not, maybe um, we fear that we'll lose some status in society. But also, I think beyond the cultural value of saving face, um, which is so prevalent in um, Asian communities, the idea of like keeping up an image to the outside world, I think there's something even deeper going on. Um, I think it has to do with the immigrant experience. In my own family, my mom and stepdad were undocumented immigrants in my growing up years. So they ran a Chinese restaurant because they couldn't get a lot of jobs that would require a work visa or legal status. And we were doing well and saving up and we brought a house in a nice neighborhood and all of that. But there was this underlying emotional current that I felt growing up of fear and hiding. So for many Asian American communities, um, we live with this generational trauma of being without a voice and without ways to constructively deal with our issues. And one way that we respond when we don't have a voice, and this goes for anyone who's experienced trauma, is that we stop paying attention to the pain and we just white knuckle our way through it. We just try to get past the pain. It feels like your book is giving voice to a group of silent sufferers in the church. Um, and so as you did your research for the book and spoke with different people who've struggled with chronic illness, how did it feel for you to give voice to their struggle and also yours? One of the big things that I heard, especially among women that I talked to, and it's interesting as I reached out to different people to ask them to share their stories with me, I interviewed almost all women and one man, and that obviously raised so many questions for me on why. And women do um, experience autoimmune disorders in particular at a higher rate than men. I think that the stat is like three quarters of autoimmune disorders are, um, are women. There's a lot of sense of like, my pain has been dismissed or ignored among medical communities, but also in the church. One woman told me as she was having a conversation with another church member 
so-and-so has fibromyalgia, that must be a fake illness, right? Like you, you don't really have fibromyalgia. So there's definitely um, a sense of being unheard and just dismissed. Like we're having fake issues, we're overreacting. Um, and so it felt really empowering to say, yes, there's so many of us um, and we're not alone. And this is, this is real. But at the same time, I think there's still a question for me of whether it will resonate with a wider audience, you know, because this experience has been so marginalized or just put into the corner of these are the people that we minister to, but I don't, we don't know like if they have any bigger place within the church. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that this book will start to show people that uh, the experiences of chronic illness and suffering aren't marginal to either being a human or being a, a follower of Jesus, but are, are really central to how we are able to understand our calling as Christians, as embodied Christians, that we're able to put these voices into the center instead of in the aisles. Who are the people or the groups of people who have helped amplify your voice? I have been connected with a group of women who wrote for Christianity Today's hermeneutics, and they've been such an encouragement, especially um, Marlena Graves is one of the other IVP authors who just wrote The Way Up Is Down. She's one of these women, um, Michelle Van Loon, um, Caitlin Beatty. Um, being connected with this group of women has been so um, important for me to um, just have connections, honestly, because as someone who comes from an immigrant family and um, I don't have a lot of that social or cultural capital that being like, you know, in a family that's been within evangelical circles for generations has, I just don't know a lot of people <laughs> within the sphere. So just having been invited into that circle in particular and being able to call on those women for help and and having them see me as part of their group and as a peer has been really helpful. Um, but beyond that too, like just, I've just reached out to lots of other people of color, writers of color, like Helen Lee actually was um, someone that I reached out to way back when I was um, starting out um, thinking about publishing this book because she was someone I saw that was in the Christian publishing world that I could relate to. All these interactions have just built up and given me the confidence to put myself out there. Well, Luann, we've come to the end of our time together. But before we go, can you share with our listeners how they can reach you or how they can find you online? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at L-I-U-A-N-H-U-S-K-A. And then my website is the same. So www.luannhuska.com. And I'd love to hear from anybody. Well, thank you. It's been awesome having you on our show today. You're welcome. And just a note for our listeners that you can find Luann's book at ivypress.com. And if you use the code EVN40, you can get 40% off plus free U.S. shipping. So that's a great way to get a great deal on Luann's book. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Every Voice Now podcast brought to you by IVP. Our producer is Helen Lee, and our sound engineer is Jonathan Claussen. If you are enjoying our show, we'd be grateful if you'd share about it with your friends. Please review and recommend us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
And we love getting your feedback. So get in touch with us with your comments, critiques, or questions. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at EveryVoiceNow, or you can email us at evn at ivypress.com. And join us next time for another inspiring episode of Every Voice Now. Oh,